0: Now for our story. The suit through which Bill Mead hoped to obtain custody of his baby son was in its second day. Angus McKillop, Bill's attorney, had called his witnesses, Kit Calvert's uncle, David Bowman, the child's nurse, Louise Thorndyke, and Lucy, the frightened old woman who had been the housekeeper in the Calvert home for many years. But Farnsworth, the Chicago attorney who was handling Kit's case, had managed to cast doubts upon the testimony of each of these witnesses during his own cross-examination of them. Now, Bill Mead himself is being cross-examined by Farnsworth and anxiously watched by Aunt Mary and her niece Peggy Douglas, who today has come to court for the first time.
1: Uh, Mr. Mead, you say that many men support a wife and child on the salary you earn. Am I out to understand by this statement that you plan yeah. to remarry? No,
2: I have no such intention at the present time.
1: At the present time? You mean you plan to remarry at some time in the future, but not right away. Is that what you want us to believe? I
2: mean just what I said. I do not intend to remarry.
1: Are you sure of that? Certainly I am. And yet, Mr. Mead, it is my understanding that until recently, you definitely did intend to marry again, just as soon as your divorce was granted. That, in fact, you planned to marry the same young woman to whom you were formerly engaged, the young woman with whom you have frequently been seen since your marriage and subsequent separation. I refer to Miss Peggy Douglas. I object. question is immaterial. Your Honor... The question is immaterial only if the future of the child is immaterial. We're here to determine who shall have custody of an infant. Certainly the child's environment will be affected by the woman, if any, who presides over the home. The woman who can feed him or not feed him, as she chooses. Who can clothe him or neglect to clothe him. Who can love him or not love him.
3: Objection. Objection overruled. If it can be demonstrated to the court's satisfaction that Mr. Mead does indeed plan to remarry... The testimony is admissible.
1: Thank you, Your Honor.
3: You may proceed.
1: Now then, Mr. Mead, you stated a moment ago that you do not intend that you are not planning to remarry. Do you wish to retract that statement?
2: No, I don't. It's true.
1: Now then, tell the court this. Have you had any such plan at any time since your wife has granted divorce from you? No. You mean to say you had no intention or desire to remarry? I said I had no intention at the present time. I see. Not at the present time. That is to say that you did have such a plan, but it was abandoned. No. But you just said... I never had
2: a plan. That's what I mean.
1: Oh. No, it's the word plan you object to. Suppose we substitute the word desire. Suppose, in fact, we say it this way. Did you, at any time since your wife was granted a divorce, have a desire to remarry? Well, yes. You did. Now we're getting somewhere. You had a wish, a desire to remarry. Is that true? Yes. But you never got to the point of making plans for the marriage? No. Why, if you had the desire, did the plans never materialize? We never got to that stage.
2: We talked and...
1: But you discussed the possibility. Isn't that so? Yes. In other words, you asked the young woman to marry you. Yes. And she refused? Yes. Why did she refuse?
2: I can't answer that.
1: Was it because she didn't love you? Not exactly. What do you mean by not exactly? She must have told you whether she loved you or not. Did she tell you? Yes. And what was her answer? She said she couldn't marry me. Answer that question, please. Did she tell you she loved you? Yes. But she refused to marry you? Yes. Did she give you a reason? Yes, but this has nothing to do Rest with... Mr. The... Me. you heard the judge a minute ago. He stated that your testimony is entirely pertinent to this case. After all, you're asking custody of your son. It's my contention that your plans, in regard to the home you might make for that child, have a bearing on this case. I contend that you plan to marry Miss Peggy Douglas, who is known to dislike your former wife. I contend that Miss Douglas recently announced her engagement to another man for one purpose only, as a smokescreen, to obscure the fact that it was her relationship with you which was responsible for the broken marriage of William and Catherine Mead. Why, you a breakup dirty. which Mrs. No Douglas no had consistently worked to achieve. You watch
0: yourself Order now. Order the Come down. Order in the court! Order, Order in
3: the court.
1: Your Honor, I demand that this man be cited for contempt of court, not to mention salt and battery. Just
3: a moment, Mr. Farnsworth. Mr. McKillop?
4: Uh, Your Honor, this, uh, uh, this is most... Regrettable uh,
3: Your client has committed a
2: grave error. I'm
4: terribly sorry, Judge Willoughby. I have lost my head. The things
2: he was saying... One moment, Mr. Mead. It is
3: possible that there may be extenuating
2: circumstances
3: for your behavior. You've been under a severe emotional strain, I'm sure. But this is a court of justice. It is in our power to punish you severely for this act of violence. However, in view of the circumstances, we will suspend such punishment... on condition that you give your solemn pledge to abide by the orderly rules of the court in future. After all, Mr. Meade, if everyone were to behave in such unseemly manner, it would be impossible to bring any case to a just conclusion. Yes, Your Honor. In order to allow Mr. Farnsworth, the victim of Mr. Meade's undisciplined behavior, to recover himself sufficiently to continue, and in order to allow Mr. Meade's attorney, Mr. McKillop, time to explain a few things to his hot-headed young client, court is adjourned until 2.15.
4: I like. You. you threw the fat in the fire now due to it. To strike the opposing attorney, why, it's a grave matter. I know, Mr. McKillop, it was an awful thing to do. But I don't, I don't even remember how it happened. I, I just saw red, went sort of blank. It was like a nightmare. Ah, but for a man in a bad dream, you certainly have good aim. Don't say that to you. Right on the chin... Cleaner blow as I've ever seen. Don't even. <laughs> uh, what a fine sight it was, the slippery scoundrel. He yeah, had it coming to him all right. <laughs> yeah, but that's neither here nor there. You're out of order, lad.
2: Strictly out of order. I know. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. McKillop. Do you think
4: this will make it worse for us? I mean, do you think the judge... Uh, I'm not sure, boy. If the judge wanted to, he could have punished you severely for such wild, disrespectful behavior. But the fact that he didn't, I... I don't know. Judge Willoughby's a fair man. What's more, he's a human being. Still, he has his dignity to maintain in his position.
2: Oh, yes, of course. He he couldn't let me get by with a thing like that without telling me off. It, It isn't as if I didn't realize how wrong I was, but... Well, when Farnsworth began saying those things about Peggy... Peggy, who's been so honorable, so decent and sweet all the way... Well, I couldn't take it, that's all. Why does he have to bring her into it? It has nothing to do with Peggy. She's
4: not on trial. And neither are you. That's why was way of working is so tricky. He puts you on trial in his own way. In other words, we're on the defensive when we should be on the offensive. It's just about the size of it. Oh, I'm an awful dope. I ought to have my head examined. No, your heart, lad. It's your heart that's getting you in all this trouble to begin with.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right, Mr. McKillop.
4: <laughs> I wonder if the guy ever learned. Uh, being a bachelor, that I couldn't say.
2: Yeah, maybe you're lucky. But I'm afraid I'm not the stuff bachelors are made of. Not that I expect I'll remarry the way things are. But if only we could win the case. If I could bring that boy of mine up to be a decent person, well, then I'd feel that my life had been worth something. Mr. McKillop, do you think we're absolutely sunk? Or do you believe we have a fighting chance?
4: I'm not sure, boy, that we may win yet. You see... We still have a card up our sleeve. We have?
2: Right. Something that might even balance the boner I pulled today? I hope so. Well, what is it, Mr. McKillop? Well, it seems to me we've called everyone to testify who could have helped us.
4: There's one witness we haven't called. One that may carry a lot of weight. Really? Well, I can't imagine who that could be. Now, this may surprise you lad, but but the next witness we're calling is someone who is more a friend to you than you realize. Your ex-mother-in-law,
0: Jesse Calvert. Angus MacKillop had great hopes that Jesse, who had already received formal notification that she was being summoned, would indeed be of value to Bill's case. Remembering what she had told him the night they had met in the courthouse square, recalling the hatred in her voice when she spoke of Kit, and even of Ben Calvert, her husband. But would Jesse be willing to risk arousing Ben's anger by testifying against his daughter?